Hello, and welcome to The Dentrepreneur Show. I am Dr. D. Todd Russell, a dentist and entrepreneur with over 30 years of experience. On this show, we're going to discuss, engage, and prepare you for taking your practice or business to its end game. How do you grow it? What metrics do you track? How do you know when is the right time and what things you need to have in place to create the best long-term value for your business and wealth for yourself? You need to polish your spirit and prepare yourself no matter how far along you are in your career. Hello and welcome to the Dentrepreneur Show. I'm Dr. D. Todd Russell and with me today is a longtime friend of mine uh, and a colleague as well in the uh, business world, the dental business world, Mr. Elliot Feldman. Elliot, welcome to my show. Hi, Dr. Russell. Thanks for having me. Oh, please. You know, you can call me Todd. It's okay. I, I appreciate the respect uh, there, brother. Um, but uh, folks, Elliot owns a company called Empower DDS. Empower DDS. And I'm going to let Elliot really give the, the background. But more importantly, he's been in the dental space. He is one of us. He does not have a DDS degree. However, he does have a JD. He has an MBA. He has a BA. So he actually technically has more letters after his name than, than I do. But Elliot is a uh, really, really smart guy in tune with what's going on in the dental world, so much so that he is um, a champion of the dental world and that he's trying to beat dental insurance companies, which we all know and love so much. Elliot, you know, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about Empower DDS. I'll let you kind of give a summary of, you know, I kind of touched on a little bit there, but you go ahead and take off from here. Who and what is Empower DDS? Empower DDS is morphing into the first form of direct primary care in dental. Uh, so some folks may not be familiar with that. Back in the day when hospital went along with this roll-up of what is going on in dentistry, all the, the medical offices rolled up into hospitals. And as the physicians were getting tired of dealing with constraints of insurance, they started to move their way out and said, we don't want to work with insurance. It's a, a, an outdated product. So membership plans are common in the dental world. There's, there's quite a few of them. What isn't common is having that full connection from dentist office all the way to the employer to create a streamlined plan where patients, employees, really anybody that you want to work with can create a custom, you can create a custom plan for your patients. And then those patients can sign up for that plan, get all those services in a transparent way, whether they're coming into your office as patients or whether they're going to work as employees and the employer offers that on a subsidized basis. It's a really great system to get patients the care they need and deserve while also getting dental offices paid a fair reimbursement as opposed to what they're receiving from insurance. And I can tell you as a client of yours, um, my offices and my my particular office that I'm clinical in, it is uh, it is a resounding success having the Empower DDS platform. Clean, simple, easy to use. Reimbursements to us are flawless. I can't thank you enough for the, for the platform. And it really does help some people. Uh, we find that it's um, people gravitate to it once we explain it to them, like, oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, I'll do that. And then they become clients and they stay with us as you, you, the way you've got it set up, once they're in your office with the plan, they're kind of with you. They choose to go someplace else. That's fine. Hopefully they go to another Empower DDS office, but uh, most often they won't, at least not yet, right? Eventually you can have all the offices. We're getting, <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Right. That's why we, we built the company is, is to make people's lives a little bit better. Everybody that looks at the startup world thinks Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos, but the startup world it's poverty for years. You, you just grind on. So hearing those stories, I appreciate it. That's, that's why we wake up and do what we do. Right. 
And again, you guys are gaining so much traction. And I know we could go down some other tangents about employer DDS, another component, how you're bringing this concept to employers to help their employees at a, a much better benefit level than the standard dental insurance that pays up to $1,000 a year, completely outdated number, by the way, since the 1970s, you know, and percentages and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's an outdated thing. Employer DDS really brings up a benefit to the employer that they can provide for their employees at a significantly reduced cost with a better quality of a product for their employees as well. So one of the things you and I in our sort of our pregame and some of our emails back and forth, I asked you about one of your wow moments in your career. And I know you were with uh, one of the big dental supply companies for a very long period of time before this. You mentioned that you know, you love the field of dentistry and that it could be wildly profitable with certain tweaks. And your one stat, you said it's not a shiny object like medical, but it's still a $164 billion industry that should probably be $300 billion plus. I thought that was a really powerful statement. Expand on that a little bit, will you? Yeah. So when you wrap in all the premiums paid, everything that goes into having dental services provided, it's about 164, 165 in terms of what flows through from payors into dental offices via insurance. So a lot of that is being kept in profit by the insurance companies. But beyond that, dental is, it's a cottage industry, really. It's, it's a bunch of small businesses that uh, are working together. Unlike medical, you know, medical is a trillion dollar industry. Amazon wants a piece of medical. Google wants a piece of medical. Dental is always forgotten about, but it's arguably the most important industry after or in tandem with medical because dental affects your overall health. Yet, nobody looks at it. None of the algorithms none of the algorithms are developed. Nothing is going into dental. And that's why I love this space is because it's quiet and there's so much room for growth for dental practices, for companies in dental. It's just an evolving space. I laughed when I first got into dental. I finished my law degree, didn't know what I wanted to do, got a sales job that helped me develop what I wanted to do. But ultimately, I ended up in dental and I looked around and I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is a bunch of small businesses that are servicing people across the country. And the businesses need a lot of tools to evolve because dentistry 10 years ago was about the same as it was in 1960. We've seen a lot of technology come online. The payor services are a little bit behind. So seeing this rapid growth, I love dental. There's so much opportunity for everyone in the space. It's not the trendy thing. And, it, it, you know, you don't have to, to um, destroy your life making a living in dental. It's, it's a really great space. It is a very flexible space, too. I can tell you growing up, my best friend's dad was a, was a thoracic surgeon and, you know, we never saw him. Right. Medicine drug him you know, from primary clinic into the hospital and back. And he just seemed to be, whereas the, the dentists that we knew growing up, you know, they were always at the ball games and the hockey games. They, you could create a, in fact, my dentist growing up was a woman. Talk about a flexible lifestyle, raising children, right? She could schedule herself around the uh, kid's life. Whereas when you're in medicine anymore, you're stuck with the big, the big hospital systems. These are the rules and this is how you do it. Now, there's some consolidation going on in dentistry, right? That's what I'm doing for good or for bad. The negative, I think, of you called dental a cottage industry, I think that one of the negatives is that we are not universally systemized. And that's where you have large corporations coming in and in some cases attempting and failing, in some cases attempting and having some level of success, right? But still, the beauty of it is that you can be sort of on your own island, running your own business, and a well-run dental practice can be very lucrative. 
And so you have different choices. Again, go back to flexibility. Sorry. Go ahead, Elliot. Yeah, absolutely. And I I 100% agree. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. But I am not disagreeing with a certain percentage of roll up. There are doctors that I interact with on a daily basis that it almost feels like they're in prison because they're running their own practice. There are a lot Mm -hmm. of doctors that that shouldn't be running a practice because they don't want to. But there are Mm -hmm. also doctors that want to run a practice. And I'm all for balance. And I think that's where we'll ultimately level out. There's going to be a home for doctors that aren't interested in paying the bills and keeping the lights on. They just want to help people. And that's great for corporate and DSO. And then there's doctors that want to run their own business, call the shots. And you talked about the the medical system. The doctors that are leaving that hospital system are the ones that are saying, I don't want to be forced to charge. I had an MRI down on my shoulder. It was... $4,000, $5,000. And the doctor said, I really don't want to do this, but I have, like, I have no control over anything. And when you run your own dental practice, you control what's happening with that patient. So that's just kind of how I see dental evolving. And it's, it's a great world because both worlds can coexist. Yeah. Well, on my show and the point of my show is having seen many, many practices and seeing, again, we talked about systems and strategies and how they're, they're sort of scattered all over the place. And I'm trying to encourage doctors to build a business, build a company so that they increase their valuation. So when it's time to leave, sell, however, that whatever that looks, associate sale, family sale, um, selling to a, you know, a large group that they get the most out of their valuation. And there are certain key components that that bring that on. And one of them is obviously revenue and revenue being, you know, cash or capital, your income on top of your PL is going to be most important. How much money is coming in? And clearly, the more money, the bigger the valuation could be. But then if your systems underneath that are junky and it costs money to turn that over, you're going to lose value in that. So my question to you is. How does an in-office plan increase valuation for a dental practice? Good question. So offices ask that a lot of what is the plan going to do for our practice? And and the plan can morph to do a lot of things for practices based on the goals of the practice. But when, when increasing valuation is one of them, cash is king. A lot of doctors, when I start talking to them, they'll say, yeah, we did 2 million, 3 million. And often that's the production number. That's not the collection number. What you do in collections is what you're doing. That would be no different than Empower saying we did $10 billion last year. We just gave a 99% discount and that's where we're at. (laughs) Right. So yeah, collections are all that matters. And with a membership plan, what you charge is what you receive. So when you're building out your practice, whether you're young, middle-aged or on the back nine, getting ready to enjoy the good life, you always have to remember, it doesn't matter what you charge. It matters what you receive. So when you have these third parties, these insurance companies dictating what you're receiving, that's going to affect your valuation. They are your paycheck. So if they decide in two years to cut cleanings by 20%, then your valuation is cut by 20%. Membership plan is the only thing that will reliably pay you 100% of what you ask for. Yeah. it's And folks... um, Please, at the end, we'll give you um, Elliot and Empower DDS's uh, contact information. I cannot praise what they've done for my offices and my patients and my other doctor, my doctor's patients can't praise you enough for the product. It's been, it, it truly has increased value and increased cash flow. One of the things you you mentioned there, uh, and i give you a little sidebar here. I'm so dentrepreneur, not only am I running these podcasts, but it has spawned let's call it a coaching consulting 
side where I have several clients that are looking to exit in the next couple of years. And so we're kind of getting their, their ducks in a row and Empower DDS is one of my introductions to uh, one of them so far. I've got another client that's got a couple of small practices in there. They're trying to grow by acquisitions, but it's interesting. They actually have many of their ducks in a row behind the scenes. So they do have some nice little systems that are working in there. But when you look at their bottom line, their EBITDA, which ultimately is what you're going to be paying a multiple or selling a multiple of, it's very low. They're only like 12, 13%. And I'm going to say my pitch, but my coaching to them is what you need to do is you need to simply increase that top number. Everything else is in place in this office. We just need to increase revenue because now you've paid for everything on your um, on your loss side or your profit and loss statement or of your, your expense side, excuse me. And so everything's in order. Just increase revenue and your EBITDA goes up by almost a dollar for dollar because you've taken care of all that other stuff. Hence, in-office plan, increasing cash flow on a monthly basis to those practices will send them to uh, you know make the next acquisition easy to be able to do it with 100% cash. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And, and we talk through that with doctors. The goal of raising revenue starts with identifying your costs. And, and we work in the preventative world. So the most important cost is just what does it cost you for an hour of hygiene? What is your hard cost of seeing that patient? And then determining whether the revenue is actually exceeding that cost. Because we see a lot of offices fall into the pit of if we just add a patient, that's more money. Yes, that is more revenue. Getting $60 for that cleaning will go to your top line. But if it's most offices, it costs about a nine costs about ninety to hundred dollars an hour to run hygiene. You're getting sixty and paying a hundred you're upside down. Right. You mentioned great process. You have a system in place to identify that you're fine. But for the offices that don't have systems in place, you know, having a conversation with you, with you would be beneficial before adding that revenue. Well, let me let me play the devil's advocate with that. So a practice that knows that it sort of has that hygiene department that's only collecting 50 but needing 90 to be to be viable, what you do is you go out and hire another hygienist and increase volume and then you've got four or five hygienists going at the same time. Right. I mean, that's the way you would sort of combat that. My. Yeah. But okay. So, as I say, playing devil's advocate with you, but the other side of that is, and I personally, this was what I did. I had four and five hygienists going because I was a fee, I was a PPO based practice a number of years ago in the, you know, 2010s, and it almost killed me. So it's because you have to see 60 or 70 people a day. It's like being a primary care physician now. You have to see a patient every 10 minutes in order to make that practice, that facility profitable. And it's the same thing. Or here's a good idea. Let's get $145 or $150 per hygiene patient, only see two in an hour with two hygienists, and you're more profitable and you probably live longer, ultimately, because you're not as stressed. It's funny because it's coming full circle. These are the same conversations I had with doctors 10 years ago about Medicaid was you can run, anybody can run a successful practice as long as you run it in the right way. You can't run a Medicaid practice as a boutique practice. So if you're double and triple booking and running around like a chicken with its head cut off, it will be successful. So now that has morphed into PPO. PPO is the new talk of you can run a successful PPO practice. You just need to keep it cranking and you're going to be running around for a little bit. So to your point, it's not my job to dictate to somebody how they live their life. I just say I've got a better way. If you don't yeah. want to be on the grind all the time, we can make life comfortable and you still make the same amount. 
So let's move into the fee for service type practice. And, you know, we're talking about valuations and exits and uh, doctors preparing themselves, whatever the timeline is, you're starting to think about when am I and how I'm getting out. Do you have any experience with practices that, uh, you know, you've either directly with Empower DDS or indirectly back in the, the days on the supply side sales where, the practices that were fee-for-service, you clearly saw that when they became a fee-for-service practice or that they were a fee-for-service practice, they sold for a higher multiple compared to a PPO or Medicaid-based practice. Have you actually seen some of that? Oh, absolutely. And I think as more people talk to transitions, there is more downside to being attached to PPO than upside. It's not that, you know, back in the day, if you were in a PPO network and you had a good patient base, you knew that those funds were secure and coming Mm -hmm. through. And now it's more dread of how much are they going to lower it. If you take a retiring doctor that's 70, that's on Delta Premier, and they retire, the incoming doctor more than likely won't be able to join on that Premier plan. Uh, so they may have to take some other right. kind of plan. And that that could affect the, you know, that it's the question. Nothing is definitive, but it's the questions around what does that look like if I have to take another type of plan and I can't get the same plan that the original doctor was on. So it's not that any plans are bad or good in a vacuum. It's just how well or how they affect the incoming buyer. And the uncertainty is what leads to lower uh, transition or transition uh, amounts. And uh, another point you made in our, our prior discussions about the transition, which is important, right? The handoff. And we see that in, in my company with the successful ones are where the, the selling doc stays on for a period of time and there's handshakes and hugs with the, with the associate for a period of time. But another key piece is if you are with an in-office insurance plan or an in-office plan like Empower DDS, those patients currently have a limited number of practices in which they can go. And, they, and folks, what happens with Empower DDS is there's something called restorative dollars. So this patient's paying a monthly fee to get X number of services over the course of the year with that fee, but then they also get a, a discounted fee schedule that you dictate. In addition to that, there's a small, let's call it a, an HSA or a DSA, dental savings account that takes place. It's called restorative dollars. So if that patient is with you for a number of years, they might have a couple hundred dollars sort of on credit with you. But if they go to uh, Dr. Smith, uh, you know, XYZ down the street, and he or she is not in Empower DDS, that money's not going to transfer. And actually, Elliot, that money doesn't transfer even if they do go to another Empower provider. Is that true? That is correct. Yeah. I like to, uh, I like to throw it out of dental a lot because we get Dental is our livelihood. So we get mm-hmm. so deep and so ingrained that sometimes the best point is missed. So if we take it, roll it back to what grocery stores do with fuel, you buy your groceries at a grocery store, you get a discount on fuel. Very similar to what we're doing. If you pay for a membership plan, you pay on time and you stay as a good patient, the doctor can allow or can decide to reward you with some restorative cash. The restorative cash is kind of like that dental HSA. It's saved for a rainy day. Now, I do want to point out, you don't have to offer this on our platform. Mm -hmm. Our platform is completely customizable, but the restorative cash helps to lower patient attrition because now they've got some funds to use for a rainy day that they can only use in restorative procedures. So it gives them that last second thought about, do I really want to leave? Do I want to leave money on the table by going to another office? And like you said, even if they go to another Empower office right next door, they can't transfer that. It would be like you going to the grocery store A, getting a fuel discount, and then going to the gas pump at grocery store B and saying, I want to use these. They don't accept them. So that's what we do to help mitigate loss during transition is provide that program. And 
there's the value. So when you're evaluating, a, when you're looking at valuation of a dental practice, you've got the tangible and the intangibles. The intangibles really are the, are the patient's goodwill. Are they going to stay essentially? And how much is that worth? And when you have a large percentage of uh, you're a fee-for-service practice, but a large percentage are in a plan like Empower, they're going to stay, which therefore increases your value or at least maintains the value for that you're at. You don't have to worry about so much attrition when you, you know, walk away from the practice after the transition. Do you see an increase in new patients with your Empower offices? Do you notice that more and more patients are reading about Empower and coming to offices? Have you seen that kind of market? I should say, are you guys doing that kind of marketing to help drive new patients? Yeah, we don't really have to do the marketing. The, the internet does that for us. So as we, in the emphasis about around Empower and membership plans is creating, I mentioned earlier, dentistry is is got some legacy products that need to be updated. And I mentioned on the payor end, what's happening in the world is if you look around, people prefer to pay for things on monthly. That shift is happening. I, I joke around. I went to go buy breakfast sandwiches for an office and got asked if I wanted to finance it over 90 days. So everything is is switching to different options, different plans, membership plans. When you go to Costco, the reason Costco has a membership is because that membership mentality gets you to buy more. You're deeply connected with the practice. So with Empower, the goal is to create a program that works for everyone, every office, or at least the majority of people and their patients. And that's my very long way of saying it can drive new patient traffic. We have plenty of offices. We have scratch offices that are in growth mode that we need to get people through the door. We provide marketing materials for that. But then we go to the other end of boutique practices that just want to provide payment systems and options and ways to care for a smaller number of patients. So we can morph into whatever the needs of the practice are. There is no, it has to be this or this. It's about determining a lot of what you do is, is figuring out how people want to live their life and what their end game looks like. We're a part of that process of getting them there. Uh, we're not there to disrupt or change or tell them how to do that. If we told doctors how to do what they do, we'd be no better than insurance. I believe that the way I've explained it to others about Empower is it's not because someone asked me about, well, will they do anything to help increase my new patient numbers? And my answer was, you know, I don't think it's actually marketed that way, but here's what I can tell you. You've got patient that retires and had a benefit plan. Maybe they were, maybe they were there. You're still fee for service, but let's say they have a Delta insurance and you're accepting that or whatever you're out of network doesn't matter. But once that they retire, they no longer have that benefit. They're going to still come to you but they're going to come in probably less likely, less often. If you get them into a benefit plan like Empower, you've now locked them in where they are showing up on a regular basis, which means you're able to diagnose, you know, more potentially, or at the very least, you have that revenue from them, you know, from their, their monthly um, payment to you. And then they're showing up and using the, the services twice a year. So it's more of a stopping a loss than it is gaining a new patient. And that's the way I look at it. Like you're, you're still going to keep that patient. They're still going to come and they might only come once a year because they're retired and they don't have the income. But now with a plan like Empower, they are showing up twice a year, which is healthier and benefit and benefits them in the long term, anyhow, would you agree with that? I would, and and the whole purpose of of what you do is planning for tomorrow, right? So you right. mentioned that retiree. We see a lot of offices that have retirees that have healthcare covered until death, and then something happens to the company or to the city, whoever's providing that, and all of a sudden that healthcare gets ripped away. 
So it's about planning for tomorrow for those people that do have care. Maybe it could be somebody that's employed. If we hit a down uh, patch in the economy, there are a lot of people that don't think they can come to the dental office without insurance. What Mm -hmm. we do is create a plan for the people that need it today and tomorrow. So I saw a stat on the internet, 60% of people without a dental benefit will come to the dentist once a year or less. Mm -hmm. So what does that tell me? That tells me that dental offices are missing out on revenue stream because that patient's not coming in. And that patient is also not getting the services they Mm -hmm. need to stay healthy. So if we can develop a transparent plan, that's the knock on seniors is, is that they're cheap or they don't, they're cash positive. They just are on a fixed income. They need to know exactly what they're paying for. They can't go out and make an extra buck. So if we can put a plan together and say for X amount, we're going to cover you twice a year for everything you need to stay healthy. They sign up for it in mass. It's about not knowing the biggest misconception in dentistry is that the cost is what keeps people away. The fear of the unknown of the cost is what keeps people away. They don't know what they're paying when they go through the door. They only find out when they walk out. Yeah. So when we create a transparent plan, people, <laughs> if you build it, they will come. <laughs> oh, my God. You're echoing my thoughts all the time. And if you treat them well, they will stay. Right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, by the way, uh, folks, one of the things about Elliot, and it, it, he talked about it a few minutes ago, he is the master at assimilation. The concept of talking about the grocery store that gives away fuel perks and comparing that to dental. It, uh, Elliot, you do that all the time whenever you and I are talking, and I love it. I applaud that. It just it breaks things down so simple for people when you can connect them with something that they know very well when you're introducing something new. So kudos to you for having that ability. Let's move on to, uh, I got a couple of questions here as we're, you know, getting towards the end of our show. We don't, like I said, I don't like to try to go too, too long for people so that uh, my podcasts are a car commute is what I'm looking at, a work, you know, a work uh, commute. Um, let's challenge the industry, the insurance industry. And I put that out there to you earlier and your response was a rhetorical question back. Why do we even have insurance? And then your next statement to me is insurance is a product of a century ago. That slapped me in the face because I've been talking about the 1970s dental benefit of $1,000 when crowns were 200 and now my crowns are 1500 What's the sense of the bet? Uh, what's the sense of even having insurance at that point? So go ahead and give me your, you know, why do we even have insurance thoughts and, and you know, its effect on the dental world? Yeah. So insurance is, is meant to build trust and safety, right? Like that's the, the idea behind insurance. And when dental insurance was created, it was in a time where people could literally just hang a shingle and start becoming, obviously to get licensed, but nobody knew anything about you. So the insurance company was the trusted person to tell you where to go. If you were in network, then that mean, meant you pass credentialing and you're good. Now, insurance was never like medical. It always had a cap. So it never... It, it never gave you that that relief that no matter what happened, something was covered because there was always that cap there. But at least the trust led you to a trusted provider. Now, who do people trust? It's not the insurance industry. In fact, the insurance industry has some of the lowest trust scores of any market in the country. Uh, people trust Google. People trust Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. We don't need insurance anymore. It does nothing. All it does is takes premiums and then kicks back 40 to 60% back to the provider while they keep the rest, they aren't trusted. They don't pay for calamity or a catastrophe. So what exactly is insurance doing for anyone? And my argument is nothing. It needs to go away. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's uh, insurance is selling fear. And then, Absolutely. And then, they're, then they're selling fear. But now nah, there's a whole bunch of qualifications, though. 
the catastrophic concept, right? Oh my God, my I lost my right arm. Well, how'd you lose it? Did you lose it on the golf course? A tree fell on you? Yeah, we don't cover that. You know, I mean, it's like, what? I lost my arm. You know, you should be helping me get a new arm, but not, yeah, that's not covered. <laughs> it, it seems to be getting worse and, and worse. and it goes back to what I said earlier about dentistry. It's such an interesting field. The ADA comes out and says that 69% of people with dental insurance shouldn't have it because they're mm-hmm. paying more in premiums than they're receiving in benefits. Yet there is still this myth that people, so yeah, three out of 10, I will agree, will, will benefit from insurance. And those mm-hmm. are the people that are normally middle-aged. They've got the great jobs. The policies are paid for by the company. You can't be free. I'm not going to disagree with that. But when we know that almost seven out of 10 people are losing on insurance, it's a bad product. Right. If you went into any other business and said seven out of 10 people are going to be ripped off by this, would anybody keep that? Right. No. Yeah. Next question here, moving on, uh, just keeping on track here with, a, again, Elliot, I got to have you back on the show because there, there's so much to talk about with you and your experiences in this wonderful world of dentistry. There's a, a whole roll-up thing going on, right? It's been going on for close to 20 years now. Um, the concept of, let's call them DSOs. Um, I prefer DPOs, dental partnership organizations, as opposed to the true DSO. Most of them are backed by big money, private equity money. Private equity is just high net wealth and high net wealth individuals trusting a group of people to take their money and invest in it into growing companies and eventually sell it for profit. You know, personally, I'm not a fan of the private equity world being in dentistry. I think that, you know, you need dental people like yourself, like myself, who have a, a business sense running the company, not people who, you know, look at a profit and loss statement and they never get in the weeds to know exactly what's going on. What do you see? Do you see, where do you see corporate dentistry and in your experience um, and its effect on our profession? That's going to come down to dentists and how they think. If doctors start to realize that as humans, we're all meant to be uh, binary, it's either A or B, it's chocolate or vanilla, it's yes or no, it's going to be DSL or it's going to be GP. One, it doesn't have to be that way. There can be a balance. Two, there can be more than two options. So if doctors decide that okay, I want to run a practice. That's the most important piece. I'm going to become educated on what it takes to run a practice. I believe that services like yours and services like ours will pop up to help support those doctors. But as I mentioned earlier, if a doctor doesn't want to do that and doesn't want to be responsible for all that and just wants to go and collect a check, I believe there's going to be corporate and DSO around for that. So I'm not anti really anything. I'm pro doctors being educated on what their next move is. We've had a lot of conversations from doctors that want to go into DSO and half of them still want to go in DSO after we talk to them. And that's fine. The other half had no idea what they were walking into. When you mentioned PE, there are a lot of risks that come with that when you're moving part of your practice. So it's just all about education. You get educated, you'll make the right decision. But you can't just make a rush judgment because you look at your your bank account and you're like, oh, no, I'm out of money. Guess it's time to sell. Now you got to fix some things. On uh, prior episodes of my show, I've had some guests on and we've talked about, you know, getting educated. That is surrounding yourself with a good team that can help you to plan and prepare for your exit strategy, whatever that is, including being part of a roll up or being your own roll up into multiple locations, however, whatever path. But it's getting yourself. You said educated. I say the smartest person in the room is not the person who knows everything. It's the person who knows a little bit about a lot. And I always I always add to that and knows the right people to go to for the answers. Uh, and it, it's very important. 
in in this um in, in sticking with the almost the private equity theme but the sort of the consolidation concept that's taking place we in dentistry have you know we are the ugly stepchild to medical you talked about that earlier the you know 1 trillion dollar medical industry versus the you know 164 million dollar billion dollar uh, dental industry so we're always that second thought we as dentists, quite frankly, are have been brilliant in that we've watched what happens to medicine and then we don't let it happen to us. Capitation is an example, right? Medicine went to HMOs back in the, I'd say probably the 80s, early 80s. And then dentistry sort of followed, but it never really took off because we saw how bad it was for medicine. I think we're seeing the same thing. And you've mentioned this, that we're seeing the same thing in dental, that you know, we're getting this consolidation. Medical did all this consolidation. Everybody wound up with hospital groups. They bought up everything. Now what's happening? Now you're starting to see breakouts. You're starting to see concierge medicine more and more because the doctors hated all the restrictions of being under the umbrella of a large medical group, generally private equity driven, because again, they don't get into the weeds. So they don't know how to run a medical practice. They just know how to how to look at the numbers and let that make a determination, which you know can help, but it's not always being in the weeds. Do you agree with that? I I mean, you know, that we're seeing dentistry being smarter in the sense that we're not making the mistakes of our medical brethren. I do for the people that sign up for Empower because they're seeing what's happening in <laughs> the medical world with yeah, with membership plans. Uh, <laughs> dentistry has dentistry has a rare ability to get a sneak peek of what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and the medical plan, the, these membership plans come from the medical world. It started there. Amazon just bought one medical for $200 a month. You get your concierge medicine through Amazon and they're starting to incorporate prescriptions. So yeah, I would agree that it's, again, another reason why I love this industry is we would never be able to build in power. We would never be able to compete in the medical world. Billions and billions of dollars are going in algorithms that crush little companies like ours. But in the dental world, we can make some change and make some progress. Because it's, you know, we're not up against tech giants. We can do things that are in the best interest of people. So you'll never hear me say uh, too many bad things about the dental world because it, it's just there's opportunity for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, I've been a longtime fan of Empower DDS. You know, you and I met a number of years ago and I've uh, loved the product, uh, love your team, the platform, everything. The benefit to the patient, I think, is fantastic in our practices. What would you say to a new owner? of a dental practice about what kind of practice or insurance company category that they should be a part of. So, you know, we've discussed the fee for service, the PPO, the Medicaid, what would, uh, what kind of practice or what kind of insurance category would you recommend that a young dentist who's, you know, just bought the practice, probably not thinking about exit, even though I encourage them to be thinking about it, but they want to grow to a certain point to exit. What kind of practice, what kind of insurance category practice would you recommend that they consider out the gate? I, uh, I would recommend no insurance practice. Mm -hmm. And that means not even taking insurance and submitting it. So what happens? There's a large automobile insurance company in Ohio, right where we're located, um, mm -hmm. that just switched from one PPO to another. That happened overnight, affecting about 110,000 employees. So what happens if you are even accepting one and, and, or if you're out of network with both of them, let's just say your, your fee for service and they switch plans, but the fee schedule changes. All of a sudden the patient has to pay an extra 20, 30, 50, $70 a visit to come see you. That is artificial impact or that is impact from third parties on your business. And what I always suggest is you can't, 
it's nearly impossible to run a successful business over time having those third parties dictate your pay. Uh, so going away from that and let's redefine fee for service and let's actually make it fee for service. It's not fee plus whatever your insurance company wants to kick in. It is this fee for this service. We're going to pay that. And if you want to go submit to your insurance company, have at it. Right. Somebody else will pay for it. You walk into Best Buy to buy a television, you pay for it or you don't walk out with the television. Right. Yeah. And you also don't pay 75% of it. <laughs> like, right. Uh, and, right. Somebody you know, else is gonna, great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else is going to kick it, in. Oh, don't worry. My neighbor is going to send the other 25 because he comes over and watches TV every once in a while at my house. <laughs> it's, it's my yeah. home fun insurance policy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's essentially what we're doing, right? That, that's what we're saying is I'm walking to Best Buy saying I'm going to pay 75% of this. And then my neighbor is going to, he's going to mail you the other 25%, maybe. Right. Maybe. Because yeah. by the time, you know, go back to the uh, arm being whacked off thing. Uh, we don't cover that you know, some pre-existing condition BS about missing a tooth. And I mentioned, this is important real quick. I mentioned cost earlier. Nobody thinks about the cost of chasing down these claims. The denials are coming so fast and furious. And with elevation of wages, some have to pay their front desk a hefty sum to go call and sit on insurance for an hour and a half right. to find out that because you use the right type of paper, wrong type of paper when you send it in, they're denying the claim. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny you say that I, I've been obviously dealt with these uh, private equity folks who, you know, fly, I always say fly at 36,000 feet looking down. They're like, well, why is that office manager? Why is that collections not great? Why is their insurance collection lagging? Like, well, first of all, it's one person. That's all you, you don't want to spend more money on a, another person to help, but you expect them to check patients in, check patients out, sell treatment plans that the doctor has created, collect money. Oh, and then by the way, wait on the phone for an hour for an, acclaim, for an insurance claim for $67 because that's what it is. It is such a time, it sucks time out of every practice trying to collect from insurance companies. It's really, a, a, it's an ass backwards concept, you know, and patients need to get away from it. Every person in that office should be generating revenue. Now it's different amounts. Obviously, you know, the doctor generates $300 an hour. AFTAs generate X. Hygiene generates X. Front desk should be generating $50 an hour. And that's bringing in new patients, outbound calls to schedule appointments. Collecting accounts receivable is not generating anything. That's collections. Right. Uh, so when you have somebody sitting on the phone for an hour, they generated $0. Right. Yeah. And again, spending an hour on hold waiting for the claims agent to get back to you and to check claim and to find out, oh, my favorite one is we didn't receive it. What do you mean you didn't receive it? I've got, you know, we do, we send these electronically and your computer talked to my computer at, at 2.37 and 42 seconds. It says it right on the claim, the exact second that the computer's connected and the claim was received. It's such a game and it's mind boggling that how much effort, essentially it becomes, you are paying in your dental practice, you're paying one person a full-time salary just to collect money that you've already produced, right? And we talk about collections. Yep. It'd be so much easier. I would rather give a patient a 20% courtesy off of my fee schedule, right? For them to pay at the point of sale, walk out with the TV from Best Buy. I'd rather do that than go through the hoops of collecting money from insurance. And you, the patient, you're actually going to get a better service from me. And not that I'm going to lack on my services at all, whether you're insurance or not. I never, I never even look at that with my patients, but um, I can tell you that it does carry a little bit more weight. 
that I didn't have to go through that, that you come back in with a problem and I'm still not paid six weeks later from your insurance company, but you have a problem with the same thing that I just did. It just, there's a different mindset for me as a practitioner. It's funny you mentioned that because we have to morph into different shapes when we go into offices. Front desk wants to know, how is this going to make the practice more money and my job more efficient? But clinical is normally patient-facing. How is this going to make the, the patient's life better? So interestingly enough, we have more pushback from the back because they don't know the, the damage that insurance is doing to offices. Mm-hmm. And I always joke with hygienists, any doctors listening, if you want to develop a plan like this, and you're, you don't feel like your team's on board, just tell them they're going to live the life like you live. So they're going to show up. They're going to do their work. They're going to do their work exactly how you ask them to do that. But then when the paycheck comes, mm. give them 60% of their paycheck mm-hmm. and say, well, I'm denying the other 40%. Why? Well, if you want to sit on the phone for a couple hours, we can talk it out. Right. See how quickly they adopted right. that process. Right. That is not a way you can do business. Ellie, I'm going I'm to wrap up the show here for today. And before I kind of get to my final question here, just, you know, sort of in summary, um, an in-house plan, we talk about experts, we talk about leveraging those experts to help us to um, educate ourselves and running our practices and our businesses. And the other thing is when you do that, you know, find somebody who's good at what they do and you, you can capitalize on that. You don't have to know all that stuff. You know a little bit, but you let them know the a lot. And that's the same. That's exactly what Empower does. You guys are extremely good at helping to explain to patients why this is a great path for them for the long-term care and health of their mouth and well-being. And from a revenue generating standpoint, it increases for the office from a stress level. It reduces it because patients on Empower are much easier to explain fee schedules to and payments. And then finally, it increases valuation because you're increasing your cash flow. And like you said earlier, cash is king. Yeah, I, I know some practices have their own. They've created their own in-office fee schedule. Their, I'm sorry, their own in-office um, or in-house plan. I strongly recommend against that. I would rather pay you a little bit to know it's done right. And honestly, with your online platform, it is so easy. It's so simple. Patients do it literally sitting in the office on their phones or on a tablet. So I can't thank you enough for what you guys are doing for our industry. Elliot, my final question, everybody, you yourself, not necessarily your company, when you talk about influencers, who is it that has influenced Elliot to get where he is today? Um, is it is it a book? Is it uh, I've had parents, I've had brothers. Someone said their brother is their one of their big influences. Who's influenced Elliot Feldman to be the guy that he is today? Oh, it takes a village to create something like this. Um, <laughs> I've got many influencers. First and foremost, not to be uh, sappy and cheesy, but my wife. You mm-hmm. launch an oral health company during a uh, a pandemic that closes every one of your customers around the world you need a pretty good support system to uh, help build you up. So he's been the best. He's kept me sane on days when it looked like the world was going to come to an end. She was there. Outside of that, there's a guy named David Goggins. I like to put things in perspective. Interestingly enough, I had lunch with a dentist who had invited an anesthesiologist. And uh, I was just complaining about the day. This is before in power and you know shipping, distribution, logistics, a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. But it, to me, it was the end of the world. And I talked to this anesthesiologist and I go, how's your day? And he goes, yeah, I lost somebody on the table. And I was like, wow, that is way different than my bad day. Yeah. So putting things in perspective, there's a guy named David Goggins and he, he read his book. Uh, can't, I think it's can't hold me, can't hurt me, can't, can't hold me down. Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just talks through his trials and tribulations about how he always just stood back up and kept driving. 
so that that is inspiring to me and makes me take a step back and say hey you know is this really that big of a deal and then probably finally there, there's a great poem i don't uh, with this old stuff you never know who really writes it but it's claimed that it's written by chief tecumseh and it's something that everybody should really read right now it just talks about respecting others and living your life to your fullest my big ethos when i talk to people is when i go out of my deathbed i want to feel like i'm ready to go i didn't hold anything back so every day i get up and, and try to make the most of it and that i think back to that poem of don't be the one crying wishing you had more time in your deathbed make it impactful while you're here and that helps me sleep at night awesome elliot great stuff buddy that is fantastic that's david goggins by the way is the author you were mentioning uh i think you said quit isn't in his vocabulary i love that too and that fits right in with mine. Uh, one of my big ones is um, Vince Lombardi's speech about what it takes to be number one. And uh, the quit isn't in his vocabulary, wasn't in, in, in Lombardi's vocabulary, but he talks about the last line, uh, laying on the field exhausted, laying on the field of battle, exhausted, comma, victorious. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love that. And again, field of battle, I get it. We don't want to talk about war, but if that's, let's not take things literally. Let's take them as the big meaning. He means like, work until until that point where you are exhausted, but you've achieved the goal. Elliot Feldman, Empowered EDS, one of my favorite companies of all time. I love what you're doing, my friend. I love working with you. I appreciate you being on my show. How can anyone in the dental field, not in the dental field, get a hold of you and your company? Yeah. So just shoot us an email, contact at EmpowerDDS.com. Phone number is 844-747-3337 or EmpowerDDS.com. Instagram, Empowered EDS, LinkedIn, Empowered EDS. We try to be everywhere uh, that you need us. We've got reps running around, so we're always here to support. And I did want to say this has been an incredible time. I love doing this. Please have me back. I I love talking and just talking about dentistry. And I really appreciate what you're doing for the dental field because it makes our job easier. I always tell people we don't have a company without dentists operating in some form. And what you're doing is helping them stay in business, serving people and staying profitable. So um, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. It's been a a really fun time. Yeah. Well, you're going to be back on. Well, we'll circle back. Obviously, you and I'll talk offline and, and we'll set something up in the coming months. Um, thank you again for being on. This is uh, the Dentrepreneur Show. I'm Dr. D. Todd Russell. Please subscribe, follow, connect all you can share, please. I'm trying to grow this thing. I need your help, friends and family. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. You can also, if you wish, you can actually watch uh, Elliot and I and our our um, Faces for Radio on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. It's it's Dentrepreneur LLC. Same thing for my website, DentrepreneurLLC.com. Um, I'm out here. I'm consulting and coaching other practices, helping them prepare for their eventual exits. And I'd love to hear from you if you have questions. Uh, if I don't know the answer, I will help you find somebody who does. Thank you for being on today again, Elliot. And uh, till the next time, have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Please follow or subscribe to this show on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. If you would like further information or to meet with me one-on-one and discuss your practice, please feel free to contact me through my website, dentrepreneurllc.com. Many more exciting guests and topics are headed your way. 